Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. This week on our panel, we have Eric Berry. Hey there. Josh Adams. It's me. Mark Erickson. Hi. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Daniel Spofford. Daniel, do you want to say hi? Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Daniel Spofford. I'm a software engineer at a company called Very. You can find us at verypossible.com. Been there for almost a year now, and I do Elixir all the time. So it's great. Love it. What does Very do? We are a software consultancy, I guess. Clients come in with needs in the realm of IoT or blockchain or data science or more traditional web apps as well. And then we kind of talk with them and see if we can help them out. So is Elixir the primary tool that you use to solve these or do you kind of pick and choose based on the need of the of the client? It definitely varies based on the, the client. Um, there's Python and, and Node and JavaScript and all, all the things going on. Um, it, it, it depends on the project, but if it's something that APIs and longstanding backend services, that sort of realm, Elixir fits in really nice there. Nice. What about blockchain? You mentioned blockchain is one of them. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I have not dipped my fingers into the the blockchain side of things at work, so I can't speak too much to it. But but I, I hear the words. You know, I hear Ethereum and Merkle trees and etc. You know, I, I don't have the the answer there, but uh, we got other people here who do. So, right, <laughs> awesome, very cool. It looks like you're sitting at home. Do you work at home? Are you a remote consultancy or? We um, are a. Yeah, we are effectively a 100% remote consultancy. Mm-hmm. We There's kind of a, a cluster of people in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but vastly remote. Everything that we do is based around being remote so that, you know, the, the 80% of people who are can can get that information. Yep. So I'm, I'm out of Fargo, North Dakota here and, yep, work from home every day. Nice. There's something to be said about working from home. And I, I started working from home early this year. And I think that initially when you think of working from home, if you have a family, you're like, oh, it's going to be distracting all day. You're not going to get all that done. You're not going to have the focus that you might have in an office. But actually, it's quite the, quite the opposite. When you work from home, if you have a good environment to work in, being productive is so easy because you don't have a constant barrage of meetings or people asking you questions or, or stuff like that. And all of a sudden, all of your communications become async. And yeah, productivity goes through the roof, I've found. Have you seen the same thing? Yeah, I would agree. I think that there are inherent benefits to to working remotely. I, you know, I, if you have a family, I find that a, a family is more easily understanding of, you know, I'm, I'm working right now, don't bother me, as opposed to maybe a coworker might be. They might feel like they have more access to you. So, so you get more of a separation in, in, in that regard, I guess. And then you have all of the 
the comforts of, of being at home. You know, you can make your office what you want it to be. It's quiet. It's exactly as you want it. And if you need to step away for a moment to, to clear your head, you, you can. So yeah, I like, I like it a lot. And I, I think that your point about async communications is, is huge as well. It forces things. P- people are naturally social. They want to talk to other people about stuff, even if they don't need to all the time. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it, it puts more thought into when it, whenever you're going to reach out to someone, it's a little bit more intentional and they don't have to necessarily respond immediately. They can get back to you in a few minutes when it's much more convenient. I, I like the way that it sort of inherently forces your developer communications to be far more documented since, mm-hmm. hey, you're not talking with your mouth while no one's recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at my previous job, we would there's four developers sitting by each other and we would have a conversation over a few hours and everything would be great. We'd figure something out and then time moves forward. And then you try to recall the stuff that you talked about, maybe even to document it. And maybe it's, you know, not as clear at this point. Whereas if you're typing everything, it's, it happens as you go. Yeah. And to Eric's point, I mean, my last full-time job, we convinced them to let us work from home a day or two a week. And it was essentially, yeah, just explaining, well, I have people come by my desk and say, hey, do you have a minute? About four or five times a day. And yeah, you know, so each of them only takes up a minute. And so it's only five minutes out of the day, give or take a couple hours. And I'd like to get a little more done. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was, it was awful. It was terrible. I'd get into a problem and then I'd get interrupted. Yeah. There's sort of a stereotypical comic, you know, out out there on the internet. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's the developer with the thought bubble and some long process of his, you know, his thoughts going along. And then someone says, do you have a minute? And it, and it pops the bubble and it all goes away. Yeah, Get, yeah. Getting back into what you were doing afterwards is oftentimes more time consuming. Yeah. I, I also feel like we're dancing around the pants issue. <laughs> pants? Oh, what? Wait, what? Yeah, that's right. We all forgot they exist. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is true. I did. I did a contract for a remote company, and we used um, GoToMeeting for our communications, like our face-to-face communications. And yeah, one time I left it on overnight, forgot, and they were having a meeting when I walked in my office the next morning in my underwear, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> I had to quickly turn that off. But yeah. I mean, there are drawbacks, I guess. There's something to be said um, about encountering people too. <laughs> you know, if you, if you work from home for, for so long, hopefully hopefully you have friends and family that you're encountering. Otherwise, it might be worth it to go work from a... Maybe that's a benefit too of working from home is if you want to opt to go somewhere else, you can. If you want to go to a coffee shop or if you want to go to yeah. wherever, you can, you can go do that and get the interaction that you so desire. Yep. yep. Tra- benefits come with it, like traveling, like... Um, if I wanted to go somewhere and, and travel, as long as I still can put in my hours throughout the week, then, then I can do that. I don't have to necessarily be at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I lived in an RV for nine months working and traveling the whole time. And yeah, that wouldn't be possible without remote work. We, I think, I don't know if he wrote a blog post about this. I work with a guy who, him and his family, um, I think his, I think his wife does photography or something. So it's like a great, you know, two pronged approach and they kind of just travel across the country and that's awesome. When I worked remote for that same company, uh, one of the other, no, it was a different company, but I worked remote, uh, for another company down in Nashville, uh, for a few months. And one of the guys on that team worked from a yurt. <laughs> from a yurt? <laughs> a yurt. You know, one of those like Mongolian tents. Yeah. 
He's like, he lived and worked in his yurt. <laughs> Go figure. Anyway, I'm, I'm also saying this so that I can change the topic over to logging since that's what we brought you on to talk about. And uh, I, I do have to say this blog post, I'll, I'll post it in the chat so everybody else can kind of reference it. it. It was interesting to me for two reasons. One was it was sort of a narrative process, right? It's, oh, okay, you know, you're, you're in this position, you realize you have this problem, and then you take this step. That's a mistake, you know, and then here, here's another idea, you know, and, and this may be sufficient for you. And then here's where it might not be. And here's, an, you know, and so it kind of walks you through this thought process. And I really liked it. The other thing is, is that logging, I think, is something that a lot of people take for granted until it either fills up all the hard drive space on their machine or until they need information out of it and they can't find it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the the first point you made is just kind of how I am. Um, I find when someone explains something to me or if I'm explaining it to someone else, it's really easy to just go, this is what you're supposed to do. This is the way you should do it. This is where you should end up. And you can get really far with that. A lot of people do every day. But you, it, it leaves a gap and you might not understand why what you did was the best choice at the time. So if the landscape changes at all, you might not have the knowledge to adjust because you just knew where you were supposed to be. So I very much appreciate when someone explains something to me, um, getting at least a little bit more of, of how they arrived at that conclusion. So yeah, that's very much how I wrote this. I think I st there's a line in there like, it's 10, 13 a.m., your stomach flutters with anticipation. The only noise is the enter key bottoming out as you did it. Like, <laughs> I, I think I had that for a while and the, the rest of the blog post came came in around it but I, I like telling a story as I explain something I think it sticks a little bit more what was the what was the second point you raised well just that logging is something that people take for granted until it's causing them a problem or at least not fixing their problem yeah there's another line in there about how uh, you if you've ever approached some sort of application or been introduced to it and you're looking at it with another developer and they're explaining it to you and then you see some log lines go by or some output and you're like, oh, what was that? Or was that important? And they're like, oh no, that's totally irrelevant. Ignore that. I think <laughs> I would like to say maybe we've all heard that. I've certainly heard that many times. And uh, you go, well, why are you logging it then? Well, it's, it's just there. <laughs> so um, being being a little bit more intentional, I think is going to help you in the, in the long run. And I think since logging comes in very early on in a project, it, it's already occurring and then you kind of just roll from there it's very easy if you misstep early to head off in the wrong direction and it's very difficult to dig yourself out of that because then you do have to sort of evaluate every log that you've written before is this important is this still true maybe there are logs somewhere in in your service that will become an issue if that area of the code starts executing more often is is what you're logging you know computationally expensive and we, I kind of get into that a little bit in the, in the post as well. Yeah, one thing I'm wondering about, you know, as you talk about this is that, I mean, most apps that I set up, I don't ever think about the logging until I need it. Is this something that people should at least consider when they're setting up a, an application or is my lazy approach okay? I think it is something that people should be considering. It, there certainly, we have all been in a situation where it, it's not that important immediately. You know, maybe there isn't something that you need to be logging right off the bat. But I've also been, especially with like APIs, 